Today's episode is sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is where people just like you get together every week to help each other with issues. Let's face it, issues are hard, so why start from square one when somebody can tell you what they've done with a similar issue? If this sounds like something that's interesting to you, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, a podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And nation, we are in the month of May. It's hard to believe that four months are now in this year's rear view mirror. And hopefully you've been keeping up with everything. Hopefully you took my challenge at the beginning of the year where you're doing some goal setting and then you're pacing those goals throughout the year. So at the end of the year, you've accomplished at least one, but probably several things that you would not have done had you not done some goal planning and had you not staggered all of the tactics that you had to do throughout the year. So now we're in quarter two, we are deep into quarter two, so it's my hope that that's working out for you. If it is not, then that is not a bad thing. You are getting life lessons. Now, if you're just not doing it and you're totally ignoring it and you don't have a system to bring that in, I'm not talking to you. You know you've got some work to do or you weren't serious enough about accomplishing it when you wrote that down. For all the other people out there that are trying to get those items done and maybe you're falling short, that's actually good data. I don't want you to feel like a failure. I want you to feel like a success because if you're doing all those things and it's just not working out, maybe you're not doing the right things. Maybe you're not doing the right things at the right time time. So if you have not already, I would like for you to add to your weekly regimen that you look back at what happened the previous week. As you're looking back at the previous week, I want you to note your successes and then the opportunities that you have. So many times we're so busy living in the present We don't take time to figure out what life is teaching us. So what I would love for you to do is start listening to the lessons that life is trying to teach you, learn from those lessons, and reset your plans based on that lesson. Now, this all sounds great, and I wish it was all my material, but this is the 12-week year style of planning. 12-week year is all about planning and also execution. There's so many planning books out there. There are very few execution books out there that I found that really work. 12-week year, if you read or listen to that book, it's available on Audible, you will instantly understand the program that Brian Moran has brought in that book. And one of the things he says that we need to do is review what's going right and wrong. In fact, 
He encourages us to do it with an accountability partner so that other person knows what we are doing, they know what our goal is, and they can help us along the way. And of course, they're getting the same thing from us. And the thing is, when you have somebody that you're accountable to, and let's face it, you're the only person that can keep yourself accountable, but by having somebody that knows what you are doing, you are going to make sure those things get done because you don't want to have to report to them that you wasted the last meeting, that you wasted their time, that you chose less subordinate issues to deal with instead of what was more important. And it is just magic to how that helps our brains do the things that we are supposed to be doing anyway. So it's my hope that you maybe read the 12-week year if you haven't read that before, But you listen to what life is trying to teach you and use those lessons to make your life easier. Folks, if you are swimming upstream, you're going to get tired. By using the lessons that life is teaching you, you are now able to pick up momentum with the things happening in your life. It just makes sense. And I hope that's inspiring if you've gotten a little bit behind on your goals. Now, for those of you that have not done any goal planning, now is a great time to start doing that. And a great way to start is maybe with the systems within the 12-week year. So again, we can have all of that information on our show notes page, and it is there. So feel free to look into that. The book is available at going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash 12-week year, number 12, and then week year, all one word. And that'll take you to an affiliate link where you do not have to search through Amazon. We've done all that work for you. And you can either get an audible copy or you can get a hard copy, paperback copy, whatever copy you wish, it will all be there. Nation, I feel this podcast is all about learning and challenging ourselves And somebody that helps us do this each and every week is our friend, James McDonald. And here is another installment of Periodic Water Table with James. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's Periodic Water Table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is... Chlorine dioxide. What is chlorine dioxide? What is it used for? Does the presence of ammonia impact it? What forms of delivery are available for chlorine dioxide? Can it be stored or does it need to be generated on site? What methods are there to generate chlorine dioxide? What are some of the hazards of chlorine dioxide? How do you test for it? What usage concentrations are typically used? How does chlorine dioxide compare with other antimicrobials, such as chlorine and bromine? How selective is its reactivity? Can chlorine dioxide be used on a reverse osmosis system or not? 
Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learned to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalinguph2o. I look forward to learning more from you. Nation, last week we started an interview with Darius Barkowskis and we just didn't finish. We had so much information that we wanted to share that we decided to make it into two episodes. So no more waiting. Here is the conclusion of my interview with Darius. My returning from last week lab partner, Darius Barkowskis, welcome back to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Great to be back again, Trace. We just had so much fun talking last week. I figured why not do it again this week? And we talked about pretty much everything under the sun last week, and we left everybody with the last book that we read in the Rising Tide Mastermind called The Six Types of Working Genius by Patrick Lencioni. And we started that conversation off by we were talking about the temperaments. And of course, there's four different color temperaments. And each one of those temperaments speaks differently, has different needs, reacts differently when they don't get those needs. And when we understand what our own needs are and then what others' needs are, we're able to use better words to not have that gray creep up when we're trying to communicate And we were saying that it's great when we have multiple colors on a team. And then that's where we talked, or at least alluded that we were going to talk about the six types of working genius. So that's where we're going to pick up today's interview. And uh, I will start off with saying somebody did ask me that I consult with. They said, Trace, we have every color on our leadership team When we add to our leadership team, what temperament color do we need to add next? And I thought that was a fantastic question, and I could not think of an answer or how to answer that. Because I don't think temperaments work that way, but I was reading a book at the time, The Six Types of Working Genius, and that's where I really thought the answer was. So with all of that roll up, we just finished reading that book, The Six Types of Working Genius, and we learned that there are six different types of work. And when a project starts from beginning to end and it's done successfully, each different six steps have been reached and they get passed on to the next step. And typically when they don't get completed properly, a step is skipped. So with all of that, I'm curious, what did you think of that book? And what's some feedback that you can give to the Scaling Up Nation? So I think it layers really well onto the temperaments and kind of gives a little bit more of direction of someone's drive in their particular comfort zone. So I had taken this a few years back. Reed Hutchison uh, had shared this with us. And we we touched on it, and I'm glad we brought it back up again because it's been helpful to get a little bit more understanding on it. And so I think being able to understand the difference between the six working geniuses and trying to get your team to sort of have somebody that's really good at that or you say, I'm not good at uh, the wonder part, which I'm not. That's probably one of my frustration points. I hope somebody on my team has that, that gear so that if I have an idea, 
I could go to them and they're going to run with that idea versus me trying to struggle to figure out that idea. So an example for me, I struggle with rewarding people or doing events to kind of celebrate people. And so I really struggle with that. So I, I've, I, I've resorted to asking people that are good at that to help me come up with an idea that I can then implement. So my, my working genius is galvanizing and tenacity. So once we get an idea identified, I'm really good at executing that and seeing it to the final fruition and putting in place versus kind of being lost in the clouds, I guess, is the analogy I would use. So you alluded to a couple of the working geniuses, so everybody can can play along. The The first one is wonder. This is when somebody just thinks, well, I wonder what could be, and they're just dreaming. And the next one is invention. They take that wonder and they actually create a solution for that. The next one is discernment, which is, is that actually a good solution? Can that actually happen? What are all the constraints around that? Then that goes to galvanizing. Let's rally everybody together and make them want to do this solution. Then we move to enablement. Enablement means that everybody wants to do this and everybody has the tools to get the solution done. And then finally, what you mentioned, tenacity is pushing it over the finish line, actually getting it done, which is my highest weakness. I get bored by the time tenacity gets to the point of the project. And I am so jealous that you have that as one of your <laughs> geniuses. I think there's our geniuses and then there's the working competencies where we're just kind of like middle of the road. But then there's our frustration. Those those areas, like if somebody puts us in that in that mode, we're probably gonna struggle or get a you know, just not not deliver a good product or just wonder kind of what am I doing here, you know, uh, type of mentality. So everyone has that makeup being like, this is where I thrive. This is where I'm just okay. And this is where I struggle. It's a good way to boil it down. You know, the, I a hundred percent agree with what you said that the temperaments along with the working geniuses, they do just fit together. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to become certified as a working genius coach, so I can put those two together. And I truly think that that is going to change everything with the teams that I work with because it's about how we're communicating and then what type of work is getting done. And I'm so excited to, to dive into that and share that with everybody that I know. I mean, just think about it. When you're in your frustrations, whether you've taken the assessment and know what, it, what your frustrations are or not, you know that there's certain type of work out there. For me, it's tenacity. And when I'm trying to get something over the finish line, it's, it's stale to me. And I want to be working on something that still has its shine and glimmer. And it is just sucking the life out of me. Now, some, I, I just have to do it. Every person has to do every one of these six steps of, of the working genius. But there's some that it just sucks the life out of us as we do that. If you and I were working together, and I know that tenacity is one of your skills, if I didn't know that, I would probably think I don't want to give Darius any extra work because I'm sure he is as overworked as I am. But now that we have this language, we're able to collaborate better. 
And you might have something that you have to discern. Well, I love to discern. It's one of my geniuses. So maybe we can even swap or we can help each other in some way. And it's not like we're adding to each other's plate. You know, we're putting our favorite dish on the plate that we cannot wait to go eat. You know, it's not broccoli or something like that. Yuck, we don't want to eat the broccoli. I know there's broccoli lovers out there, and please don't write me. Broccoli's wonderful, so I apologize for it. That aside, we are now given the language so we can have that conversation. We can delegate the right kind of work. We can ensure that we're taking on the right kind of work. And then when we have to just do it, we're doing it at the right time. We know it's going to suck the life out of us, but we know when we get back from the gym that we are energized. So that's when I'm going to do that kind of work so I can piggyback on what I just got from the gym. Before this, I had no idea. Absolutely. Uh, I think we probably, I know of experience uh, telling people like, hey, I want you to go and find like three new ideas. And if somebody didn't have that, if wonder was their frustration, I may not get anything back, you know? So it's like, you got to put people in a position to win too. So, and recognizing that it's been great uh, to kind of crystallize what we already sort of feel and know, Mm -hmm. and just don't know how to eloquently talk about it. And usually there's always some insight found whenever I go through one of these. So you learn something you didn't know before. Darius, I am curious when I brought it up at the Rising Tide Mastermind or when Reed brought it up inside HOH, did you say, what, another assessment? That's exactly what I said. Reed and I have a great relationship, but we, you know, when these come up, I was, my initial reaction, I go right to the, I'm going to go quote something else, but I go right to a, a gap mentality. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Here's another thing. But I've learned to lean into it, like you said in the last episode, and ask more questions and not necessarily like focus on like, I, this is one more task I don't want to do, but like maybe there's something I could learn. But yeah, but that's my initial reaction usually. Oh, here there's, there's another survey, another book, and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know my team's the same way here. Oh, Trace has read something in another one of his mastermind groups or uh, somebody in his business roundtable has told him about this. So now we have to endure another assessment. So we got to figure out how to temper that with what's actually going to help the team. And, and let me ask, is there a better way to deliver that so people are more open to it? I haven't found a great way. I mean, someone has to have the courage to still do it, which Reed does, which I I really admire. And to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, like, hey, I think this could help. More recently, outside of The Working Genius, we did another one recently talking about how we want to be recognized. It was a survey, kind of a survey that um, Reed had found. I don't remember the name of it right now. I'll have to get back to you on that. But it uh, was able to crystallize like how you like to be recognized. Is it gifts? Is it words of affirmation? Is it prizes? Is it quality time with somebody? And um, that was really insightful to understand like, hey, how do you like to be recognized and spend time with? And of course, a fellow gapper, I would just always look at like what not to do. Uh, So there's a section in that, which is really really helpful too. I think one of them was, uh, you know, for me, like giving me another piece of like, you know, company merchandise, like mm-hmm. with a logo on it, I'll take it, but it's not going to get me excited. But spending quality time 
and being affirmed like one-on-one is uh, really great for me as well. Kind of sounds like love languages, but maybe a little spin to it. Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to remember the name. I read an article in Inc. Magazine, but I love Inc. Magazine, all the things that they put in there. But most employers think that their employees want to be rewarded with cash. And it's easy to do. But I want to say it was like less than 10% were actually motivated by cash. It's a pretty small number, right? So Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was surprising. You think, okay, well, everybody's working to, to make money. So more money is actually better. And it's not that they wouldn't take it, but they wanted it uh, in a different way. They wanted something more to be recognized. Yeah. And it's how do you ask the question then to mm-hmm. get that, what they're looking for out of them. So I think that's where a lot of these different tools are designed to help get, draw that out. A person may not be able to even crystallize what they're thinking, right. but giving them the tools to sort of talk about what they need is really helpful. Darius, you've mentioned or alluded this a couple times. You're either having a gap mentality or a gain mentality. So that's a book by Dan Sullivan called The Gap and the Gain. And so our audience knows what we're talking about. Uh, the By all means, read the book. But the premise of the book is that if you are starting somewhere and you're setting a goal to get somewhere, and then you look at what the most ideal form of that goal completion is from where you are right now, from when you started, that's a gap mentality. And he talks about if you're driving or riding a bicycle towards the horizon, you're never going to get there. So if I want to start swimming and I'm comparing myself to Michael Phelps, let's face it, I'm never (laughs) going to get there. And that's the gap. I'm looking at Trace Blackmore, Michael Phelps. There is a huge gap between that. But if I turn around and I look at the gain and maybe I couldn't swim more than two laps without just passing out, and now I'm actually competing, well, that's a huge gain. And that's the mentality that he's trying to get us to have. And I love that you all at HOH have turned it into a language because Reed's done this to me as we talk. He'll say, Trey, stop gapping. And that's just become a turn. Gapping? Okay, now you're gaining. That's what I want to hear. So um, now everybody knows what we're talking about. (laughs) And it was uh, the most helpful thing for me was one of my top five strengths finder strengths is maximizer. And so what gets me going is take uh, taking something from good to great versus just okay to good. And so I naturally fall into that gap mentality and thinking like, well, this is not as good as it could ever be. And so mm-hmm. I've been often accused of just, I'm never happy, but it's not that I'm never happy. I don't pause to at the top of the mountaintop to take a look around because I'm going up the next hill already because that's where I want to take it. So it's taken some time to sort of coach myself to pause and say, take a breath, look around, uh, see where you are versus just charging up the next hill. So it's been really helpful for me. It's a great point, and hopefully that gives us the ability to take yet another assessment if somebody recommends it. The world doesn't need another assessment, but now we have a language that we can use and we can understand ourselves better. 
And in the Rising Tide Mastermind, we now know not only what the person's temperament is, but also what their working geniuses are and what their frustrations are. So we're actually able to understand them better going into those issues and then speak into those qualities so we can ultimately give them some better advice. So it's not that we didn't know these things, but we didn't know how to communicate these things. Something else that you all have used, and it has just been used brilliantly, is that you know company numbers are difficult to understand. Whether you're the owner of the business or you're working in the business, it's just difficult. And you all have done an amazing job of making games out of them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so... Uh, a little bit over two years ago, we went to the Great Game of Business workshop. It's something that Reed had kind of highlighted as a, an opportunity for us to look at. We were kind of curious. We're going to go. We're going to make the investment and learn about it. Uh, but I won't go into the whole history of Jack Stack and how he developed. It's it's kind of layered with the EOS, but a little bit different. But what was really eye-opening for me was the stat of something like out of all the industries, all the companies in all the world, something like only like 12, less than 12% of the people had a working knowledge of the business numbers. And we're talking like the basics of a profit and loss statement, like how much money comes in, how much does it cost to make it? What do we pay people and what's left over? And uh, it was really eye-opening for us because we did want to educate people on, on the numbers and the philosophy is, and it's not for everybody. I will warn you, it's not for everybody because people get awkward. They they think it's a reflection on them if they report bad numbers. So I get that. But the philosophy is that most people, given the right information, um, they'll make smarter business decisions if they have those numbers and have a working knowledge of how those numbers affect the business. And so we've really kind of taken that uh, to heart and we're educating every member of the organization from the CEO all the way down to the admin staff. Everyone is getting a taste of the company financials and how that affects it. And also we're developing what they call mini games where we develop mini contests that help move the needle on those numbers. And so we'll take a, we'll take a concept of maybe there's a, a, a objective we're trying to achieve and we'll gamify it. We'll make it a, a short-term goal that we're trying to achieve. There'll be intermediate goals for us to hit and uh, there'll be a prize, intermediate prizes for everybody. And everyone kind of gets in the game. So instead of like sitting on the sidelines and like, hey, I'm just cashing a paycheck, everybody in the organization can affect the numbers and not just, you know, this is, this is what it is, right? Whenever I hear this is what it is, that's when I start to challenge that. It's not what it is. We, we have the power and the knowledge to, to change that. I'm not sure if that's where I went with the, the mini games like you wanted to. No, that's fine. I, I think it's a different way of looking at something and it draws everybody in that they're part of the solution yeah. and you can instantly see what the result of what everybody is doing and you all had some great game boards. Uh, I remember one looked like kind of shoots and ladders and you were going. Yeah, it was like Candyland. Yeah. We called it Bonus Land. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Another great game that our, our finance team did is they identified that we were paying a ton of money on credit card fees. And so 
there was an easy way for us to save money and affect the bottom line by proactively reaching out to customers and switching them to ACH. And so they actually made a game of like, you know, they had a target of how many customers they wanted to convert from credit card to ACH. It's a quicker way to pay. We pay less fees and we saved $150,000 a year in credit card fees. And that just goes right to the bottom line for us. It was really impactful and no one even thought to do it because we're like, yeah, this is the way we've always done it. Right? right. So it's convenient for the customer, but it was costing us money. You know, speaking about the way that we've always done things, a lot of times our accounts fall into that category. And okay, we talked to this customer, we said we need this new piece of equipment. They've said no. Now I don't even see that as an issue anymore. It's just the new norm. You all do a great job of making sure that you're promoting excellence. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so a few uh, back in 2017, 2018, we, we kind of looked at where we were as a company and uh, we were kind of really trying to grow. But I would say we weren't really growing healthily with great health. We were bringing a lot of business. We we're also losing a lot of business. And what I discovered is we were losing that piece of, you know, the service piece. Like we wanted, we have a service promise to our customers and we needed to restore that. And so we developed this program. It's an audit program, but nobody likes an audit, just like the, like an IRS <laughs> audit. But I started to call it the, the level five program of excellence. And so the level five comes from a, just a basic scoring system of zero to five. And if we think about what we do as a water treater, there's a pyramid of, of things we deliver to customers. They're, your foundation is your chemistry. Without chemistry, you can't really affect results. The next layer is equipment. Do you have the right equipment to deliver that chemistry? And then the, the pinnacle is uh, the service that we're delivering. Are we meeting expectations? And so we developed this program and we go out to customers and we have a whole intricate form that we go through and we objectively score ourselves. And I always tell people, I don't care what you score the initial go through. We're going to give you a plan and a list of things to do to improve. And most customers are very receptive to that. They like to see that we're getting better. What we get out of what HOH gets out of it is that the individual's getting time with another person at HOH to develop them, get better at water treatment. HOH gets further cemented in with customers and keeps other competitors out. And the customer gets a free look at a system, at their own systems to see that, are we doing what we say we're gonna do? And uh, that's really spurred us on to really great success since uh, 2019. And we're just like really accelerating. and. Uh, we're actually running a, a mini game on running these audits, and of course you are, <laughs> of course, right? But it's been a it's been a great experience, and we've been trying to capture, uncover opportunities through these assessments because I don't like creating work just to do work. That's not not for me. My goal, I really have a passion for get things better than they were, and then also uncover opportunities uh, at existing accounts because the cheapest account you can uh, sell to is the one you already have versus spending money to sell a new one. And so there's always opportunities to deliver new products and services. But if we're always just doing it the way we've always done it, how are you going to change that narrative? Darius, was that received well? How did you make sure people saw that as a positive and not just something added to the list of things they already had to do? 
we're still trying to overcome that, Trey. So right now we're kind of in the uh, the uphill uh, phase of it. We're not quite on the downhill, but a lot of our uh, business development people appreciate it to especially get a technical. If they're trying to sell an account, we'll do one of these assessments of like another vendor and to show them like, hey, these are the things where you can improve. And then it becomes an easy task for them to just, I'm going to quote this, 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 and this and move on. I would say it takes time to schedule and get people's schedules organized. That's probably the toughest thing. When we're in the moment and teaching people on site and giving them a list of of ways not only they can improve, but the customer, I think that's where the magic is. All the paperwork side of it is probably not anybody's favorite part. So, I love the idea. I think it's great. And it ensures that you're getting quality time with your customer. And it also ensures that there, if there are any gaps in our service, that we're making sure that we're talking with the customer about it. We have a plan to get them fixed. Mm-hmm. And we're not relying on them communicating with one of our competitors to learn that information. Absolutely. Keeps uh, somebody on my team referred to it to as account proofing. So how do you, you know, keep an account from being susceptible to a vendor other than just price, you know? Yeah, it's a great idea. And now it, it focuses on value. And oh my goodness, when we can shift our clients away from price and on to value, it is a game changer. Absolutely. 100% agree. Well, Darius, we are to the lightning round. Are you ready for those questions? Certainly. All right. So we're going to get into the DeLorean. We're going to go 20 years into the past, and we're going to find yourself on your very first day at HOH. What advice would you give? I probably would tell myself to go get my PE license sooner. That's more of a personal thing, but I would say learning how to deal with customers. And I wish I had been exposed to like the temperament sooner. And I probably would have been more successful knowing that how to communicate with people. There's probably so many opportunities and sales that I've missed over the years just because I wasn't communicating how the customer wanted to hear it. I normally ask about books, but we spent probably the last two weeks talking about books. So I'm going to move on to the next question. Sure. Uh, When they make a movie about your life, and we all know that they're going to, who do you want playing Darius? John Goodman. I love that answer. (laughs) I'm I'm a really big, big Lebowski fan, so. Perfect. I love it. And then final question, if you could talk with anybody throughout history, who would it be with and why? I would say Robert Oppenheimer. And I, I know there's a movie coming out. I'm really excited to, to see it. But just the the gravity of what he was tasked to do and having to understand, you know, the destruction that he has created um, or he was tasked to do. It was just it's an unbearable burden for somebody like that. And just understand, like, how did you how did you end up here? How do you compartmentalize all that? And Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. Darius, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Nation, if you know somebody that you want me to interview on this show, one of my favorite things to do is interview other water treaters 
I really think that connects us with the Scaling Up community. So if you have somebody in mind, you can go to scalinguph2o.com and go over to our show ideas page and you can tell us all about that. Something I want to tell you about is something that's coming up in May and that is May 20th, and it is the Global 6K for Water. Now, we've been promoting this for a couple years here at the Scaling Up Nation, and so many members have actually participated and gotten other Scaling Up Nation members to participate. So what this is, one, it is a 6K. It is a 6K because that's the average amount that somebody has to walk to get access to drinking water. Just imagine that. How long does it take to walk six kilometers? And what are all the things that aren't happening because these people are walking to get water? As you can imagine, normally it's the kids and the kids are not in school. And if we are not educating the children, then they are going to repeat that same cycle. So just something as simple as bringing better access to better drinking water, and not to mention when they're walking this six kilometers, the water that they're going to get is water that you probably would not drink if it was given to you. And we're fortunate. We have a choice of clean drinking water. So why would we ever choose non-clean drinking water? Well, Nation, think about how lucky we are, how fortunate we are that we have that option. Not everybody in the world has that option. And that's what the Global 6K is all about. One, educating people that we do not have clean drinking water access to everybody on this planet. Educating people that when they have to go walking to get water, they are not doing things that is allowing their selves, their village, their entire community to get better, to elevate themselves. So what we're going to do this May 20th is we're going to try to help solve that in a very fun way. So this is a global 6K And this is done a little bit differently. You don't have to go to a particular place to do this 6K. You can go to your favorite park. You can walk down your street. You can run. You can jog. You can do any mode of bipedal work that you can think of. The point is, is that you register for this. And you can register by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K. We'll have all the information for you there. And you can have a couple of options. One, we've created Team Scaling Up and you can join our team and you can do this global 6K on May 20th at whatever time you deem fit, at whatever place you deem fit. And then you're just going to share some things on social media. We'll have all that information for you. And if you want to sign up your team, well, you can sign up the entire team at Team Scaling Up, or you can create your own team. Maybe your company wants to do this. We'll have all that information for you again on that page, scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K. When we first started this a couple years ago, there were a few industrial water treatment companies that were doing this. Now there are dozens. I talk about the Rising Tide Mastermind quite a bit, 
and the Rising Tide Mastermind is pretty much all involved in the 6K. So Nation, this is a fun way to celebrate what it is that we do as industrial water treaters. It allows us to create a stronger community with ourselves, with whoever we choose to walk with. So many company owners like to do a team event because it just dynamically improves the culture because we are doing something that is such a good thing to do. We're educating people, we're bringing awareness, and we're actually doing something to solve the global crisis. Now, in order to do that, there's a $50 donation, and that $50 donation will actually bring water to one individual. Isn't that amazing? $50. That's like, what, two cups of coffee at Starbucks? Not quite that, but I don't think we're far off from that being true. So maybe not have a couple of Starbucks in the month, and you are going to bring drinking water to one individual. And something that World Vision does extremely well is they take that money and they make it go to work. So one individual for $50, and it's not like they go in and then this stuff breaks down and nobody knows what to do with it. They're actually training people within the villages that they go into to know how these things operate, to make sure that they own this equipment. So there's just so much that happens when you get involved with the 6K. I hope that you will join us and share all your pictures in social media so we can all enjoy that. And Nation, if you've never heard about this before, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash 6K and share this information with somebody else. The difference that we can make can be tremendous. Well, Nation, I sure appreciate you sharing this hour with me. I love bringing this show to you, and I also love all of your comments and feedback. So if you have anything you want me to know, feel free to go to scalinguph2o.com, go over to our show ideas page, and let me know what that is. In the meantime, I hope you have a safe and productive week. And I will have a brand new episode for you next Friday. Have a great week, folks. Do you wish you had your own private tutor to help you study for the Certified Water Technologist examination? Well, now you do. So many of you have asked me to help you with the mock CWT examination, and I've done that very thing. If you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep, again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep, you will see that I've created a course and I tell you everything I know about each one of those mock questions. It's my hope that that helps give you the confidence you need to sign up to get certified today.